0: Welcome to Metro Praise, everybody. If you can hear my voice, can you come into the sanctuary as we prepare to have church today? My name is Lauren Sciensky. I'm a deacon here at Metro Praise International. And we're about to have a testimony from one of our sisters in Christ. So I'm going to introduce Diana, Diana to you as she comes and testifies about how God has been good to her. Um,
1: hello, everybody. I just want to testify on how good God has been to me. I got into a car accident in April. Um, At the time of the accident, I I was doubting God, but then I started praying to God overnight. He would wake me up in the middle of the night so I can pray to him. And after I started praying to him every night, I started seeing miracles. I would walk. I wouldn't feel depressed um my legs started healing faster the doctors would, would always tell me like every time you come your you your leg is always better than before and um, the church has been helping us since my accident with groceries they help us with what what we what, what with, I'm sorry with what they can and I thank God for all those blessings that has been um, helping us and just blessing us in so many ways and this is the scripture that's spoken to my heart. and the day of my accidents, the, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 16, 9. I just want to pray so we can start the service and Dear Lord, I pray that many people may come today. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings, and I pray that you pour the Spirit tonight, today, and that we may feel you, and that you may speak into your, into our hearts, and that we may we may be unified in your in the church. In the name of Jesus, I pray.
2: Come on, how many are ready to worship the Lord this morning? God, we thank you for all that you're doing in this church. God, come and have your way in this time. Come on, help me sing it. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Because I was made unique in your heart. I was made to bring you joy. Come on, sing it out. No one else can love you like I love you. Because I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be you. more I sing it, no one else can love you like I because I was made unique in your heart, I was made to be you. you no one else say- I will made unique you in your heart, I to free you, Lord. Now I, now I have a purpose, now I
3: have a destiny,
2: oh, you made me for your glory, you made
3: me for your glory,
2: now I now I have a purpose, now I have a Name me for your glory. Name me for your love. For no one else. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was made unique in your heart. I was made to be you. For no one else. No one else can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was made unique in your heart. I was made. To bring you joy. Oh, no one no. else. Sing it. No one else can love you like I, I love, love you, Lord. Cause I was made you unique, unique in your heart. Like I was made to bring you joy. One more time. Sing it out. No one else I can love you like I love you, Lord. Cause I was I made, made unique, unique in your heart. I was made to bring you joy. Now I have a purpose.
3: Now I have
2: a destiny. You made me for your glory. You made me for your glory. Now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You made me for your glory. You made me for your. Well, just a voice to sing now. I Now I have a. Now I come on, I have church, let me hear this morning. We lift up voice, you God. You made me for. Now I have a purpose. Now I have. Oh yeah, you made me for your glory. You made me for. One more time, say. Now I have me for, for, for Your glory. Now I, now I, have now I have touch you. May for your glory May for your I now I have I have I have
1: no,
0: I I have no, I have me, I how many are thankful that God has given you a purpose and a destiny in this place? We had nothing and he gave us everything. And I just want to encourage you today that his love is so great for you, that nothing that you could do can hinder his love from coming to you. There's nothing that you have done. There is no sin. There's nothing that can keep his love away from you. So I just want to read this verse to you and encourage you to go after God today to go big after him and don't put limits on him because he's not in a box. Romans 8, 38 says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
1: Come on, could
2: we just close our eyes in this place? Come on, we were having an awesome leadership uh, meeting this morning. And one of the things that we were talking about that I think is encouraging for the entire church is to have the mind of Christ. Come on, so with all eyes closed in this place, with no distractions. Come on, what's God's heart, what's God's mind for us right now? Come on, we wake up Sunday morning and we come here and, you know, we get ready to meet and we see a lot of the same faces, similar faces, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And man, do you ever think, what does God want for us right now? What is he thinking of us right now in this time as we meet together? As we say, God, man, this is the purpose for why we meet, God, to glorify you, to lift you up so that we can grow as one body so we can be a demonstration to this world, God, that you exist, that you love people, that you want all people to come to you. So I want us to take just a couple moments right now before we sing this next song, And, and I want you to think about God's mind, God's heart for us right now in this service. Come on. It's just more than singing words on a screen. It's so much more. He cares about what's happening on the inside. So God, we give you this time right now before we move any further in this service and in this worship. And God, we think about what you think about, God. Come on, for some of you, you may have to surrender your thoughts and your heart the way you see church, the way you do church. Come on, your comforts and what you're able and what you're willing to give up. Come on, God. Give us your mind this morning, Lord. Give us your mind, God. Give us your mind, O oh Lord. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, O oh God. Give us your thoughts, O oh Lord. We want you. We desire Jesus, oh we desire you Lord, it's not what the worship leaders want, it's not what the pastors want, it's what you want, it's not what my neighbor wants, it's not what my family wants, it's what you want Lord, it's what you want Lord, we desire you, We desire you, you, Lord, you and your ways. Oh, we desire you, Lord. We desire your thoughts. Come invade our thoughts this morning, Lord. Come invade our thoughts the way we see you, God, the way we see you, Lord. Come invade, Lord. Could just worship with us Come in invade, oh God Come and invade, We so surrender to you, God Come on, this entire service, you're going to have the opportunity just to keep on surrendering. For some, God's already speaking to you and just revealing your heart. But man, sometimes church, you may go through the motions. Come on, sometimes you don't even have the faith that God wants for you in this place. Maybe you have sicknesses, or maybe you may know someone with sicknesses, or maybe you may know someone with struggles, and God wants you to have the faith in this place. And it all comes with having his mind and having his heart, church. So as this service continues, as the worship continues, would you just keep on allowing God to do what he does best, to transform you, to make you more like Jesus. our heart and our prayer, God, that as we continue in what we do, God, it wouldn't just be religious antics, but that we would grow more and more like Jesus. But everybody in this place, if you want to grow more and more like Jesus, would you just lift your hands with me in this place and just make that your confession. God, make us more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Make us holy like you are holy, Lord. Make us pure in our thoughts the way you're pure in your thoughts us more like you God come on make that your confession make us more like you Jesus for our families for our neighbors for our friends for our jobs for your body Lord for your kingdom make us more like you can't separate well, even if I ran away cause your love never fails come on church let sing it out this morning I know I still make mistakes but the worst cause your love never fails We'll sing, you stay. You say the same through the ages Cause your love never changes And in vain in the night but joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rain I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Because your love never fails Come on, the wind is strong The wind is strong and the water's deep I never thought cause your love never fails Won't sing the chasm is far too wide the chasm is far too wide I never on, sing it out cause your love never fails come on you stay the same Say the same through the ages, because Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when and when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. I know that You love me. Oh, lift up Your voice. Your love never fails, never fails. He never fails, Lord. Oh, your love it never fails. Oh, I. Wow. Come on, sing, You make all things work together for my. you make all things work together for my good Come say Cause you make all things work together for my good Because you do Cause you make all things work together for my good One more time, sing it out Cause you make all things Work together from life Oh, you make to make our faith Work together from life Oh, you stay You say the same through the ages Because your love never changes joy comes in the morning, and when when the oceans rise, I don't have to be afraid, afraid. because I know that you love me. to the worship as we're praising God as we declare this come on I would just want us right now to just proclaim that over this body of believers amen that God makes all things work together for our good come on not just for ourselves you may not know the person next to you, to your right or to your left, but just as one body, one heart, and one mind, let's believe and declare that God makes all things. Come on. Whether you may or may be going through some, some marriage issues, financial issues, they may be going through things you may not know of, but let's declare it in this place that God, you make all things work together for our good. Come on, just lift your voice right now. Come on, God, we declare and we believe in God. God, not just for our own lives, not for our own benefit, God, but for the benefit of your body, God, for the believers, God, for my neighbor, God, for their family, for their children, God. You make all things work together, God. We believe it and we declare it in this place. Come on. Yes, you make the Lord. You make it all work together for our good. Oh, come on, keep on lifting it up. Oh, you make a lot. You make all things. You make it all. You make it all. Oh, Lord. We declare yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen over your people. Oh. Come on, lift your voice and give him praise in his place. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh, we thank you, God. We bless you, God. We bless you, Lord. The way you pour yourself out to us, you didn't hold anything back, God. You gave Yourself, You gave Your best, You gave Your Son, Jesus Christ. Come on church, as we stand that heart of worship, as we lift up other people in this place. Come on, I want us to have that heart in this time of worship. Think of other people, man. It's so easy just to like, man. God bless me, and God, I got these things. Just right now, I'm just gonna ask you. Just think about other people, and specifically just the body of believers that we have here. God may put people across the nation and things like that, and that's good. You can pray for that, but just here in this time, just as we pray, you know, as we prepare to sing this next song, you know, as we look to our lives man there may be things going on and god blesses god answers prayer and one day we're going to be face to face with jesus there's gonna be no more pain no more worry no more sickness no more debt (laughs) face to face with jesus our lord and savior We're going to look upon his body and we're going to remember, man, he he gave it all for us. His love never fails. We sing that. And as we get an idea of what heaven is like, it's perfect. Streets are made of gold and gates made of pearls. I mean, it's perfect. God lives there. Come on, let's just pray. God, we, we know we're not in heaven now, but... We can see heaven on this earth. Amen. As we sing this next song, it's, it's a newer song. It's called I See Heaven. I want us to believe that not only for ourselves, it's easy to see me in heaven. We see the body in heaven. and You may not know what everybody comes in here dealing with, but just lifts up the heart of worship knowing that God, it's in God that all things work together. Come on. He knows the plans. He has the blueprints. He's not worrying. He's not scurrying around like I don't know what's happening right now. They're sick and No, it's it's all in him. So as we get ready to sing this next song, say God, I just want everything in my heart and my life. Not just for me, but for other people, just to be in you. How many see people the way you see them, Lord? praise you God I see heaven invading this place I see angels praising your holy name and I sing praises, I sing praises I give you honor, worthy Jesus Singing and I see heaven. I see heaven invading faith. I see angels facing your holy name. I sing praises. I sing praises. I give you honor, worthy Jesus. And we give you praise and all of the honor, you are a God. The one we live for, we give you praise, all of the glory, God. We give you praise and all of the honor, you are our God. The one we live for, we give you praise. All of the glory, God. I see glory I see glory Falling in this place I see hope restored In healing of all diseases I sing praises I sing praises I give you honor Worthy Jesus Come on, sing it again I see glory i see glory falling in this place come can you see it i see hope the and healing of all diseases and i sing praises i sing praises i give you honor worthy jesus We give you praise and all of the honor. You are a God, the one we live for. We give you praise, all of the glory, God. Oh, singing out, we give you praise. We give you praise and all of the honor. You are a God, the one we live for. We give you praise and all of the glory. Let your presence fill this place and let heaven come let your angels be released let heaven come we will worship at your feet let heaven come face to face we want to meet let we give you praise And all of the honor Yes, God give you all of the Hallelujah Yes, Jesus We give you praise
4: all of the honor You The only one The only one Yes, one more time. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise in all of the honor. You are our
2: God, the one we live for. We give you praise in all
4: of the glory,
3: God.
4: And all of the glory, Yes, God, we give you glory today, God. We give you praise and honor, Lord hallelujah the only one worthy
2: the only one worthy of all
4: of the glory hallelujah hallelujah jesus hallelujah praise you god praise you jesus praise you I want to pray, I, I want every one of us to pray to God in your own words, don't look up at this screen, your own words from your own heart, pray and tell God how your life will give him glory. Just tell him three things, God, these three things I'm going to do so that my life can bring you glory. Just go ahead and name them off in the count of three, one, two, three, Go. Hallelujah! how will your life bring glory to God Jesus God we thank you for today God we thank you for your presence we thank you that you are here with us or God you, you have promised us God that if two or more are gathered in your name you're right there in the midst of us God we know you are here God and we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's praise God. Amen. Hey, My name is Chris Vitali, one of the pastoral elders here. You may, you may have a seat. We, at this time, are going to dismiss the, the kids. You can uh, send them on uh, to the workers over by the sound booth. How I many of you love Jesus today? Hallelujah, amen. Uh, again, my name is Chris Vitali, one of the pastoral elders here, uh, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you guys right now, so if you could go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and on. Amen, as they put that up on the screen. You know, I'm, I I want to go into my, my testimony a little bit because I actually, my mother is here and she can uh, testify to, to this. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up as what we would call, you know, in a, in a broken home without a father. And uh, my mom and my father got saved, you know, before I was born. And then, you know, some things, some things in life had happened. You know, my mom had lost faith. She came back to the Lord. Uh, just recently, and so my parents split up, and my my mom had lost faith, and she didn't really talk about God. She talked about God sometimes, but my father, even though being an alcoholic, he preached the word of God to me since a young age and took me to church, and I I knew the hypocrisy of him preaching the gospel to me while drunk and then swearing-ass girl for the next moment. I recognized the hypocrisy, but I also recognized the power of the word of God that he preached to me and so so growing up you know my mom had to discipline me so many times and she can talk about it to you guys if you want to know some insights into my my childhood but I've done many things and a lot of things that I've done uh, my mom doesn't even know about and so when we've talked throughout the years of of things I've done she's like you've done that I'm like yeah yeah I'm sorry but I, I, I did do that and then so, it, but it wasn't until I, about my freshman year uh, in high school, that I got invited back to church after going to church on and off for, for many years. Got invited back to church, got baptized, got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then, even, my, even though I got saved that year, my freshman year, I had 42 days absent in school. My mom only knew about five of them. And so, you know, consequently, that the whole summer following, she, she grounded me the whole summer, didn't let me go to church at all. Uh, and at the time, I was really wanting to pursue God. And, but my life did not change completely. Some things have, have changed. I recognize God's power in my life and how he saved me. But really, there are many things in my life that I did not change. And so let me read this verse to you. First John chapter 2, verse 3 and on. Verse 3 says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Amen. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Amen. So my life did not begin to change. until so I started getting discipled, a man in my life saying, hey, these are the things you need to change. These are the things that are off. Because I was walking around. I was going to school like, oh, yeah, I, I know Jesus. I'm, you know, I, I'm cool now because I know Jesus. I'm saved. But there's so many things I did not change. And as my, my mom can testify that I still messed up a lot. But it wasn't until I got discipled that things started coming out. I was purged of the, the love of the world in my life, although I wanted and needed Jesus. And so I'm here to tell you that that there are things, even as Christians, and you know a lot of us we, we tend to be ashamed of these things and, and we should be. But we should not be ashamed to the point where we're not going to confess it, bring it out, and I know there's, there's a lot of you here today that are keeping things inside that you need to bring out to be cleansed by the Holy Spirit in to truly say that you are in Christ, to truly say that you love him. There's many things that you're not doing that you need to do. So let me encourage you as we as, as our uh, life group leaders come. During the time of prayer, you go for prayer and confess these things. Get them off your chest. You're going to feel a whole lot better. And you're going to live more soundly in Jesus. Amen. Let us stand and pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your salvation, Jesus, that, that comes at, at no cost. The only cost that did come at is your blood, God. But you paid that cost for us. You have given to us freely. So I pray, God, that you press on everyone's hearts here today, God, that they will come to you, God, in the name of Jesus, that they will come to you and be cleansed, God, of their sins, God, be cleansed of the world from their hearts, God, and to go after you with all that they have in the name of Jesus. We're going to confess our confession of faith today. If any one of you wants a copy of this, so you have it before you, and you can also bring it home and, and start memorizing, raise your hand, please. Okay, we have one person here. Okay, the confession of faith is, is our Christian worldview. This is what we confess because the Bible says to confess things. And like in Romans 10, confess with your heart that Jesus is Lord. It's, it comes from faith, from faith. And we build faith by confessing the word of God. And this is the word of God. This is how we see the world now. We don't see the world as the world does. We see the world through God's eyes. Amen. Let's confess our, confess, our confession of faith. The count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Let's praise God. Now go ahead and greet one another. If you want prayer, go over to Monique and Chris to pray for you.
3: Don't you shake somebody's hand again. Give somebody a high five as you you make your way back to your seat. We are feeling the love this morning as usual. God is good. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And on behalf of all the elders, we welcome you here and we thank you for being here. And we just love to see everybody worship the lord it's always a powerful time in god's presence amen our services here are every sunday at 10 a.m and every friday we have our youth group elevate they meet every friday at 7 p.m they're kind of deep today so let's do that again let's see if you guys can be louder elevate Woo! that's what i'm talking about god is good amen if you are a first-time visitor here we would like to give you a brochure If you did not receive one already, if you could fill out the little card at the bottom and drop it into the the drop box, uh, we would love to keep in touch with you and uh, get you plugged into our ministry. Our vision here is very simple. We desire to love God and love people. Those are the two greatest commandments that God gave to us. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send people. We want to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. And The way we do that here is that we connect you to Christ through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. Pick one that works for you. There are so many that you could attend, things that meet your own personal needs, whether you're married, a single mom, a youth. Find one. Look to your neighbor and say, come to life group with me. Look to your other neighbor and say, don't miss out. We want to be disciples that share life together. Amen. How many of you guys enjoy and have found a place to belong in those life groups? God is moving. And then we want to mentor you through our 101 process where a leader will get into your life and teach you about jesus and then our discipleship uh leadership class 201 where we train you and raise you up so that you can be a leader and then our goal is to send you out through evangelism and then our goal is to have a hundred thousand disciples in chicago with 50 churches and 500 churches around the world if you believe we can do that say amen it is not by our might or by our power but by his spirit and by his spirit we will see the nation's one for Jesus amen and we want you to be a part of that so find a way to get involved and be discipled in this in this church and we have an awesome uh, announcement a fun event coming up it's our life in the spirit conference we are so pumped I just want to encourage you to prepare your heart spiritually for the next two weeks Come ready to receive. Spend extra time and pray in the Lord and fasting and just get a hungry heart for what God has for you because we have some powerful messages lined up. If you can see, each session is broken down. We have a Friday night, washed in the Spirit, and then two sessions on Saturday, walking in the Spirit and then working in the Spirit. And that Sunday morning, we're going to have winning in the Spirit followed by our baptisms. And we just want you to right now, Block off those dates in your calendars. Get off work. Invite your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, and let's pack out this place because God is going to do something amazing. And we have one minor adjustment that we've made to the schedule. Instead of going to Montrose Beach to do the baptisms, we're going to stay here at home. Somebody say amen. So we don't have to worry about the traffic or finding parking. Just we're going to stay here. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. And we're going to do our baptisms right here Probably in the back, that patio. If you have any more questions about that, see Ishmael. Okay? He'll tell you more details, but we are pumped. So get ready, prepare your heart, because it's going to be a powerful time in the Lord. Amen? We're going to prepare to uh, give our tithes and offerings at this time. And again, for that summer conference, those dates are August 9, 10, and 11. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We believe here at Metro Praise. That a tithe—that's ten percent of your total income—and a mission uh, offering, uh, and an offering is above that, above your tithe, where we allot that to go to missions or the building fund, and we believe that with all of our heart, and we believe that when we put God first in all of our life, in every area, including our finances, that He blesses and prospers us. And if you could turn with me, please, to Acts twenty thirty-five, I want to share with you a scripture verse to encourage you this morning. We thank you for all those that have faithfully given. To the Lord, we thank you, and we uh, are excited about what God is doing in the city through the nations because of your giving. Acts twenty thirty five. if you're there, say, I'm there. In everything I did, this is Paul speaking, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We can ar- people can argue away the fact that we need to tithe, But I believe that we can never argue away who Jesus was and what he taught. The Bible commands that we are to give. It is better to give than to receive. Let's let that sink down into our heart. We believe that tithing is biblical. It is scriptural. It is taught in the word of God. And that anything above that, an offering, belongs. that amount is between you and the Lord. And so when we put everything else aside, we just have to understand that it comes down to the heart of the issue. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want to continue to encourage you every week when I preach about this, when we teach about tithings and offerings, we believe that it is God, God's heart for us to do that because it strips away greed, it strips away selfishness, and we say, God, we want your heart, we want your mind. Teach us to be givers like you, amen? Let's stand up to our feet this morning as we get ready to recite this scripture verse Luke 6:38 As we wait for it. Luke 6:38 Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time, for this morning. We thank you for your presence, God. And we trust you with every area of our life. And as we offer these Uh, finances before you God our tithe and our offering as we walk in obedience to the scriptures I pray God that you would open doors for us you would bless and prosper our families that you would protect us God we thank you for all that you're doing in Chicago with the lost being saved and disciples that are being made we declare God that your word will spread throughout the nations God we thank you God for all that you're doing in our midst and through us and I pray that Metro Praise International that we will meet our budget this month that we would exceed God that all you would have to give us that we can do what you've called us to do to win the loss and make disciples to love God and love people to the glory of your name in Jesus name we pray amen and amen come forward as you give
5: How many here love Jesus? Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. Thanks for coming out in the summer. I know there's so many things going on, but you guys still filling the place up. God is good. How many have have, have been having a good summer presently? Like right now, you're like, it's a good summer. Is anybody bummed out by the cool weather? No? How many people are happy about the cool weather? Okay, so... (laughs) Dude, I know we're, we're Chicagoans and we're crazy. We're cray-cray. Like we love wearing like sock hat and starter jackets in the middle of August, right? Did this catch you off guard a little bit coming from Florida or do you enjoy it? Is it a break from the heat? Oh, right, that humidity. Oh, I know. I used to live in New Orleans. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 418, I want you to see the, the banner up here that of a new series that we'll be starting next month this is our new series and I really want you to bring all of your friends because it's going to tie right into the conference we're doing about the spirit you know life and living for God and so this will be the new conference for August the life of purpose discover what you were made for so all next month we're going to be talking about discovering your purpose discovering what God's made you for and then during that time the devotionals are going to match it as well has anybody checked out the devotionals Lifechangingdevotions.com. Write it down if you haven't been there. Lifechangingdevotions.com or just Facebook. If you're my friend, you see them every day. You might get a little bit old of it. You might have already blocked me as your friend. But every day, those devotions come out. And this whole month, it's been on discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. Thank you. So this whole month, we've been talking about being Jesus' disciple. And next month, we're going to forget about discipleship. No, no. We're going to keep being disciples and then learn our purpose. And so I'm really telling you here, man, this is when you want to bring your friends because we're going to start like from like the foundations. Who is God? Why did God make us? Why is there evil in the world? How to navigate through it? Many of you remember a similar ser- series before that was called Discover Your Purpose. Very similar, but it's going to be different. But if that if that blessed you, think about that and bring some friends to this. And I think God's going to do awesome for you during this time as well. Even if If you're a Christian, you're going to really be like, man, I know what I'm here for, and I know what my children are here for, because we're going to talk all about it. And the good thing about the devotions, even like for this month, I had, you know, there's 31 days in July, there's no way I can preach 31 messages. So if every day you got that devotion, it only takes five minutes, you can get a plethora of scripture and information, and the same thing will be for next month. Okay, so today's notes are actually online, you can look them up, either on Facebook or at our website. And uh, we're going to ask that our brother puts it up today. I'm going to give you, in our final message on discipleship, the 12 duties of discipleship. I'm going to give you the duties of discipleship. So we've been talking about it all this month, what it means to be a disciple, how to live like a disciple, to have the calling of a disciple. Now I'm going to put it all together and give you guys a whole bunch of points to walk away from this series and know what it's like to live for Jesus as a disciple. It's not that we forget about it and go on to another thing. This is who we are until Jesus Christ comes back. So start with me in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. If you're there, say I'm there. And it's the first point I'm going into today, the first point of a duty of being a disciple. Here it is, come and follow Jesus. That's the first point. We've been reading it every uh, week this month. And let's read it again. As Jesus went walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, and what did he say next? Follow me, Jesus said, and I will what? Okay, let's get on this. No, no, okay, we're on this one. This is the version we use right here. All right, if you guys don't know, I'm going to say this again. I might have to do like a whole sermon on Bible translations. The NIV updated their Bible, so we no longer are using the 84 NIV. We used to use that here. We're using the 2011 edition. So if you want to follow along with us, and I say, say this, you either got to be using the 2011 edition, like the Bible in your hand, or you got to follow me up here, okay? Because otherwise, I I, I say something like I did. Jesus said, come and, and then somebody's like, and it just sounds like a bunch of noise. But I want us to all be on the same page in unison. So right here, if you don't have the NIV 2011, get one in the back. That's what we sell back there. If you don't have shekels, we'll give you one for free. Get it on your phone. If not, look up right here. So Jesus said, come, what? Me. Bam, that's what he said. Come, follow me. And then he said, I will. To fish for people. Okay, so put up the notes there for me, please. I want you to see the sermon in its entirety, and we're going to go point by point. Number one, you've got to come and follow Jesus. That's what Matthew 4.18 says. Number two, you've got to receive the call of discipleship. That's what we talked about last week, receiving the call to deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow Jesus. Number three, to have a, a heart for Jesus. I'm sorry, the, uh, the call of discipleship was two weeks ago. Last week was having a heart for uh, discipleship. Does everybody remember the parable of four sowers? Uh, the seed goes into four different grounds, and then they are, you know, some are hard and soft, but it's all determined upon the heart of the person. Okay, that's number three. Now, here are the ones I'm going to add to the list today, and we're just going to get them all out there. Number four, keep all of Jesus' teachings. Number five, read and study your Bible. Number six, live a life of prayer and worship to God. How many enjoyed worship this morning? Did you guys enjoy live worship? I love it. Number seven, be committed to the church. How many love your church? Amen. Stay accountable. Got to have accountability. Number nine, be a public witness for Christ. Number 10, operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number 11, pursue leadership. Somebody say, I'm called to be a leader. Amen. You are called to be a leader. And lastly, never give up. Look at your neighbor and say, never, never give up. Look at your other neighbor and say, no, never, never. Thank you. That is today's message. Here it is. I wanted to put it all out there so you don't get lost because I'm going to go through every point and every scripture. Now, brother, if you could go back up to the top, please. This is where it all starts and I can kind of see an order here though some of them go simultaneously but certainly the first three to four go in order we come and follow jesus he said to his disciples uh, to these fishermen come follow me and i'll make you fishers of men I will send you out to do what I do with you. So there was never a confusion. The moment they met Jesus, what they were going to do. So it wasn't like, oh man, I thought I was going to come here and Jesus was going to make me rich. Now I'm all of a sudden preaching. How did that happen? Or like, I thought I was just going to sit on the pew and amen Jesus a whole lot. Why am I now having to talk about him everywhere I go? See, it was no surprise to them. They knew the moment they started hanging around this man, they would have to start throwing out their nets their fishing lines for fish so when you come to a good church that's making disciples like christ and we say okay you ready to follow jesus and start throwing out your net and getting people to come and teaching them the ways of god and let's be disciples you shouldn't be like whoa i'm surprised and listen if you're surprised that shows your shallow understanding of the bible That's not our fault. That's not the Bible's fault. That's your fault, your shallow understanding. Most new people that come to our church don't argue with it because they just take it as it is. They just go, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do? That makes sense. But if you come from another church or a religious background, you're like, oh, I, I don't know about that, Joe. I don't know. Well, see, that, that that's the problem. You're immature. You don't know the Bible. And then listen, let's all think about this for a second. If you have a thought go through your mind, I can go to another church and not have to do this. The church has a problem that you're going to. Are you guys tracking with me? So if you're just like, oh, I'm so tired of this discipleship stuff. Oh, my goodness. I just want to go to a church where it all goes away. If you can find a church where it all goes away, you are in a bad church. Tr- church that is not a good church so i'm not here to say we're the only ones by god's grace we're one of many praise god hundreds in the the world thousands really millions we're here doing what god said but the idea is not for us to make up a new way it's to follow him and do it his way amen someone say that's what he said most of these are all going to be jesus's words Uh, and let's go on now to number two receive the calling of discipleship matthew 16 24 okay so pastor i want to follow jesus like i'm up for it i'm game what does that mean jesus told us what that meant because he didn't just take his disciples and go okay i'm going to teach you how to go fish for people first day second day now go goodbye No, there was three years he spent with them. And here's how I believe he summed up his three years. Uh, If you want to, like, go to our Bible college, SUM Bible College for Ministry, they sum it up as on-hands training, and academic excellence so if you want to join sum bible college and theological seminary you've got to get ready for on hands training and academic excellence those are the things you got to get ready for well if you wanted to follow jesus these are the things you have to get ready for if you're in matthew 16 24 would you say i'm there thank you And i'm going to be asking you guys that a lot today because i want to make sure you see it in your bible if not you can see it up here then jesus said to his what? Okay. So now he's talking to the disciples. They said, we're willing to go. Okay. We're not going to argue. I'll follow you and go make fishes of men. Okay. He said the word "come," And he said the word send. And in between there, we know there's a mentoring, a process. So there's our connect mentor send. But now he's speaking to them. They're being trained. Look at what he says. Whoever wants to be my what? Disciple must, number one, deny themselves. Number two, take up their cross. And number three, what? Follow me. Number four, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever, what? Loses their life for me will find it. Thank you very much. And I always appreciate you helping me preach. So now we got the four things we do to receive that calling. You're like, man, I'm game. I want to follow Jesus. He sounds pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure if he's if he as cool as little Wayne yet, but, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I don't know if he's as smart as Barack Obama, but I'll, I'll read his writings. Come on, you know there's people who actually think that way. They actually think that politicians are smarter than Jesus. They may not say it, but by the way they act, they'll follow a politician more than they'll follow Jesus. Literally one person said when Barack Obama got in, they said, now our Savior has finally come. People actually thought that a man was going to save our nation. How many know you can't get change unless you get the God of change involved? Right? And then people really think that a movie star, an actor, is going to change their life. Now, there's nothing wrong with maybe seeing movies or, or uh, going to see a movie or listen to music. I think some of it's wrong. But if you really look at our culture, we've gone well beyond just enjoying a night out at a movie or this and that. We've become almost like idolaters of these things. I mean, you saw what happened when the Blackhawks, guys with sticks on ice, hit pucks into nets. What happened? We had the largest celebration ever in this city. It is. It is like the people of this world are so desperate for something to get happy about like here's a trophy everybody's clapping then somebody else holds up the same trophy everybody's had and that's just it for like three hours on the news and now bob holds up the trophy and now mike holds up the trophy and it's like i know these guys are important and we're supposed to support our team but i wouldn't even recognize if you were on the blackhawks i don't i don't even know who they are a, a blackhawk person could be sitting here today i wouldn't even know you i don't even recognize you And then I always talk about this, too, with team sports, you know. We always go, my team and my team. Man, they're not your team. They're making the money. That's why they're doing that. Oh, I love Suriano. That's my man. That's what you were saying last month. Now he's traded. You ain't going with Suriano. Oh, that's my man. That's my team. No, he's going to go to somebody else and say how much he loves those fans and how great that city is. Why? Because they're not playing for you. They're playing for themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with supporting a team or doing whatever. But let's just wake up. Let's get the, the bobo out of our mouth. There we go. Just, let's just put on our big boy pants. Only people that are going to help you in your life is God and your family. Those around you who treat you like family from the church, they'll help you. Other than that, everything is meaningless. That's why Jesus said, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Just stop. I mean, I could go on to education. Some of the wildest, craziest people have educations some of the Some of the people that do the, the worst things in society have had great educations. Do you guys understand you know it wasn 't it wasn 't a um a fumble-farter that developed the nuclear bomb. It wasn't these people who were dumb that made gas chambers for Nazi Germany. These were smart, intelligent people. Some of the smartest peoples have caused the greatest devastation, the greatest wars. And I'm not saying there's not a time to defend ourselves, but I mean, chemical warfare and and, uh, corruption. You know, some of the smartest business people have used their own wits about them, like in Enron and these different scandals, to try to get past the system because of their education They think they're so smart, they're going to outsmart somebody. My friends, not your education, not your sports, not your entertainment, not government. Nothing will save you. So deny yourself. And let me just pause and say this because I need to get fit and active. But there's like this new trend right now. Like we're all going to be bodybuilders and somehow this is like going to change our life, you know. Like I'm so happy we're all getting in shape now. But my friends, you're still going to die. Do you understand that? Your body is going to die. Some of the healthiest people I know have died of cancer. There was nothing they could do about it. They jogged all the time. They were vegetarians. They looked and felt great. But they still died. How many know Arnold Schwarzenegger? or he's going to die. How many know the most beautiful have you just all you have to do is just look up the famous people of 50 years ago. Just go the most beautiful woman 50 years ago. The strongest athlete 50 years ago. They're all dead. They're all gone. Their life was but a vapor, but a mist. Whew. Why live for those things? Do you understand? Put up the scripture please. Do you understand why I'm saying this? Look at the scripture jesus said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves that's the point everything that i mentioned in its own place is fine you want to lift weights that's fine it will benefit you it will help you live longer here with your family but once again if you don't have jesus you die and go to hell you don't see them for eternity okay you don't get to see them ever again if you don't live for jesus so just working out doesn't do anything live for jesus Somebody says, well, I'm going to get an education. Education does not change your life. Just go to U of I college with me. Just go to a frat party. Hello. You'll find out sororities, frat parties, these kids are wasting their lives on these things because they think that that will change them. It doesn't change them. I've been to U of I almost eight times preaching on college campuses to people with Ph.D.s and they still don't even know why they're on this planet. How is it you can understand all the knowledge of the world but you don't even understand your purpose? deny yourself. So now you might say, well, pastor, you've given us a lot of extreme examples. Okay. I won't live for sports. I won't live for education, all of that. But you know what? What if I live for my family? What if I live for good things? Do you know that in heaven, there's no more mothers? Do you know that in heaven there's no more fathers? Do you know that in heaven there's no more children? You're not going to be up in heaven going, I'm a mother to my children. No, because there's no need for mothers in heaven. There's no more need for fathers in heaven. All that's in heaven are children of our God and creator. My mom won't be in heaven telling me to make my room, telling me how to clean my house. My wife won't be up there helping me how to eat at the table. It won't happen. There's only one master, one person in charge, and all of us are his children. So even when you think to yourself, oh, you know, I'm a mother, and I've got family things, and this comes before God sometimes, you know, he understands. No, listen to me. Deny yourself. You're not going to find happiness in yourself here. You may find temporary bobos to suckle on for a little bit as a little baby. When the baby's hungry and we don't have time to feed the baby, what do we do? We give it a piece of plastic and we try to lullaby it to sleep, right? And that's what the devil does. He goes, don't you worry about God. Let me just get you a job right here. Let me just get you $40,000, 50000 Oh, what does it take? 100000 a year? Okay, it's no problem. I'll get you six figures. Oh, you just want a relationship. Here, I'll get you a boyfriend. I'll get you a girlfriend. Oh, what do you need? You just need entertainment? Oh, what do you need? You just need a Stanley cup, and then you'll forget about God. You'll get drunk with your friends. Here's, Here you go. Here you go, Chicago, right? What all, what all you need is a couple music videos, young people, to get you to worship Satan and turn your back on God. Here you go. I'll give you Little Wayne. I'll give you Lady Gaga. I'll give you Katy Perry, because she kissed a girl and liked it, right? And so here we go. Oh, all you need is a job. All you need is a music video. And then what does the Bible say? The Bible says, deny yourself. Have you ever understood that you can become your worst enemy? And I'm not just talking about in natural ways, like make a bad decision, stub or hurt your toe or something like that. I'm saying, have you understood that the deepest, wickedest person that you'll ever battle in life is your own heart? Your own heart is wicked. When was the last time you literally said to yourself, you know what, I'm just so selfish. When was the last time you admitted that to yourself? You know, I'm just, I really am selfish. When was the last time you said to yourself, you know what? I do too many things for me. I'm so selfish. When was the other time that you said to yourself, "You know what? I I put I put myself before uh, others not enough, or uh, you know I put uh, myself before others too much. I don't I don't do enough good for others. When do you ever talk about yourself that way? You don't. When do you ever say to yourself, "You know what? Sometimes I'm prideful. You know you know what? Sometimes I don't have a, a right attitude. We never think of ourselves that way. It's only until we come to the Word of God that we study the Bible or get around the church that we begin to realize, yes, sometimes I am selfish. Sometimes I am prideful. Sometimes I use people to get what I want. Sometimes I lie. Sometimes I take things that don't belong to me. Sometimes I lust after people who aren't my wife or husband. You know what? Sometimes I hold bitterness down in my heart. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time really? Without the Bible, without your friends, you said to yourself, you know what? I can be bitter sometimes. I can be real bitter. I can be very unforgiving. You know what? Sometimes, you know what? I'm just lazy. Sometimes I don't do what I should. We are very rarely, if ever, honest with ourselves. You see, people who talk to me when they hear my testimony, and they say, Joe, of course you had to deny yourself. You were on drugs. You were a high school dropout. See, they don't know Christ. See, what they're thinking is, compared to Joe, I'm pretty good. Therefore, I don't need Jesus like Joe needs Jesus. Because, you see, I didn't drop out of high school and do drugs. But the problem is, they have not stood in Jesus' presence yet and had the word of God be a mirror and a reflection of who they are. Because I guarantee, no matter who you are today, if we hold the reflection of Jesus Christ himself to yourself, you'll deny yourself, go, no, I can't do this, God. I can't save myself. I've been my worst enemy. The biggest and loudest lies I've told myself. The people that I've heard have come from my own selfish ambitions, things that I have taken for my own wants and greed. See, when you realize who you really are, this first part of the, the scripture is such a blessing. You know why? Because now you know yourself is not going to save yourself. Someone else is. Some people may, and I'll say this before I move on, some people may still think, even after I said all of that, you can save yourself. Let me just ask you to think about this. Do you think on Judgment Day, Jesus is going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you didn't kill anybody, because you didn't murder anybody, and because you had a good job and took care of your kids. Do you honestly think that's what the God of Creator, He asked of you? If he did, then Muslims are going to heaven. If that's all he asked, then Buddhists are going to heaven. Then he had no need to die on the cross. If salvation was simply just doing more good than you do bad, Being nice to your neighbors and every now and then acknowledging there's a God. If that's all you had to do to be saved, then there's no difference in religion because almost all religions teach that. There's no reason for the Son of God to come into the flesh and die a brutal death. Put up the picture of the cross, please. This was all a waste and a charade if all you had to do was just be a good old person. This cross that he's going to put up, it's just a charade. You see, if you don't think that the salvation of Jesus Christ, this bloody cross, the sacrifice of the Son of God coming from heaven to the earth is meaningful to you, you are deceived. And you are a liar. And this is what the Bible says let God be true and every man a liar. You are a liar, you have lied to yourself. And I have debated other religions because that's the only excuse that I feel is left. People, I, I've, I've confronted people's own desires. I've showed you that's wrong. I've showed you even doing the greatest things, taking care of your family won't save your soul. I've just showed you that if you think you're right and God is wrong, you're a liar. And now lastly, somebody may say, but, 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 pastor, there are other claims to salvation. And please leave the cross up. There are other claims that you and you are right. There's a Muslim Islamic claim. You're right. There's a Hindu claim. There is all these different claims. Pastor, how do you know this claim is right? Maybe I should deny myself and become Krishna's disciple. Maybe I should deny myself and become Muhammad's disciple. What makes this man any different? And you're still looking at the same cross. It's all about the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is not just a good man dying for good people. It's not just a good man dying for good people. It's not just a man laying down his life for his countrymen. It is the Son of God dying so that sinners who are dead in their sins might live. And when he made this claim, he made this claim, I will die and rise again. If he had not rose again, his death would have counted for nothing. He had to rise again. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ separates him from every religious figure. Over 500 witnesses saw Jesus Christ after he rise from the dead and therefore his claim to have come from heaven to earth for the purpose of atonement was justified. So what separates Jesus from all the other claims, from all the other people who are trying to say this is salvation, this is the way you should be. It is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection from the cross. He alone is our Lord and Savior, Buddha, he is dead, My Muhammad, he is dead. They've all died. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. Come on. And is seated at the right hand of God. And the Bible says there he is, interceding for us. So now that hopefully this preacher, as he puts the scripture back up, has showed you you are your own enemy, you can receive this blessing from Jesus. I deny myself. Joe Y. Rostick, born 1977, denies his efforts to save himself. I deny other religious efforts to save me. I deny entertainment to pacify me. I come poor in my spirit, and I let Jesus be the Savior of my life. I bow my knees at his throne, and I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. He's my master. That's what it means. Number two, I pick up my cross. Because now that means the death of myself remains in this body until I get a new body. So my heart has been changed, but my body still looks the same. So I got born again November 5th, 1995. But... My body didn't change that day. My hair color didn't change. My personality didn't change. So what must I do? I must carry figuratively a self-sacrificing mentality everywhere I go like a cross so that when my ideas, when my plans, my dreams come to bear and fight against God's plans and dreams, I crucify them and count them as dead. I deny myself. I pick up my cross that says it's his way, not my way. And whenever I feel there's something on the inside of me that's so strong, I can't defeat it. I give it to Christ and he counts it as dead for me. He crucified it. It said that day, my flesh was also crucified. And so I carry on that cross as a reminder that I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live is unto Christ. And those who are Christians here, you understand the mind of Christ. You know what I'm talking about. We're not just talking about your conscience. Because think about this. When you were a sinner, you used to do things and have a clear conscience. I remember I used to cuss out people all the time, and I didn't have a problem with it. It wasn't like I went home, and I was like, I shouldn't have cussed that person out. I went home and boasted. I remember looking at pornography. I had no conviction of pornography. There was no guilt or shame as me as a young man looking at pornography. I had no guilt or shame about talking about my friends behind their back. I knew that they did it to me. But something happened when I became a Christian, when I denied myself and my flesh was crucified with Christ. All of a sudden, now following Jesus, when I did things that were sins... I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Say, why are you using that language? No one was there, but God began to convict me. Stop using that language. And God's thoughts began to come to my heart. God began to convict me of things that no one else would have told me. God told me, stop watching movies. Stop watching TV. It wasn't because that TV in and of itself was bad, but following Jesus for me cost me something. What Jesus was telling me, Joe Y. Rosnick, is he was saying, this has influenced you too long. Let me influence you. Has anybody ever here ever had a conversation with Jesus like that? Jesus says, maybe leave those friends behind. Stop listening to that kind of music. You see, when we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, following Jesus is a daily leading. And I want to be very honest with you. If you've never been convicted like that, you're not his. Because he said, my sheep, they hear my voice and they know me. If I cannot sit with you and you tell me that you have assurance of your salvation, and that's by the daily communion you have with the Lord, the things that he says he doesn't like and the things that he does like, and you know it's not your conscience, but you know it's God leading you. If you have not that, you have not Jesus. All you have is religion. Because some of you may come here and say, okay, pastor asked us to stop having sex before marriage. I do that. Well, that could be no different than you going on your job that says don't come here drunk. Just, oh, I agree to this. I agree. Okay, I agree. That doesn't mean your heart has been transformed. The heart of a disciple has been transformed because Jesus now lives in them. The difference is, as I like to put it, is when you're driving down the highway, you see the policeman afar off. You know, you slow down. You go, oh, I know. That's the law. I need to stop. Becoming a born-again Christian is now having the policeman live with you. Everywhere you go, the law and the lawgiver, the policeman and the judge and the military force is there in your car with you. You know you ought not to rebel because God is there with you. You know you treat people differently because God is with you. He's not an outside law. He's not a speed limit that just hangs up somewhere. Ten commandments. No, the Ten Commandments, the law of God, it's written in your heart. And when you violate it, you know that you violated God himself. You see, it's not that when my children don't clean their room that I'm upset because of the room's sake. I could go in there and clean the room in 30 seconds and the room would be clean. When they don't follow my instruction and clean the room, it's what breaks my heart for relationship's sake that bothers me as a parent. Has any parent ever been bothered by children breaking rules? Come on. It's not the rule itself. It's it's not the thing itself that's mostly the issue. It's the relationship connected to that. Because if they loved us, they would keep the commands of the house. They would clean. They would do all of these things to show their appreciation. And when Jesus was saying to his disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, what he was saying is, if I'm worth it, if I'm your Savior, if you believe I'm the Messiah, then you'll trade your life for mine because that's the fourth thing he says. Whoever saves their life loses it. But whoever loses it, finds it. And today in Jesus Christ, I'm born again. Have you been born again? Have you accepted your calling? Have you laid down your life for his? So now the job you work, whose job is that? Jesus'. The family you right now lead, whose family is that? Right? Because one day you won't be their dad anymore. One day you won't be their mom anymore. They're going to be adults even in cultural sense, and they could be emancipated if they want. But in heaven's sense, they'll stand judgment on their own, not as a child, not as a mom, as dad. We stand as creatures of God. Who is Bethany? She is God's. Jesus lets me borrow her for a time or share her life, right? Are you guys tracking? I share her life? And as long as I'm here, I am her parent. I do cover her. But who is the best parent? The parent who's given God the way of leading. I'm the best dad. My wife's the best mom when we do things God's way. Amen? I cannot emphasize that point enough. You see the seriousness of my tone. I ask you that any you struggle in Christianity, before I go on to all of these things, I ask you, and please hear my heart, if you've ever heard anything in this series, I ask you, any you struggle, go back to this scripture and ask God, say, God, where have I gone wrong? Because I guarantee you, all the backsliders that I've seen, all the ministers that I've seen, a pastor just got sent to twelve, sentenced to 12 years in prison for having sex with a 16-year-old girl, bringing her across state lines, the largest fundamental Baptist church in Indiana. We need to pray for them as they find a new pastor. Whether it's a pastor or a visitor, everything comes down to this. Do we belong to Jesus? Do we give up our life for Him? And is it His way, not our way? Amen. When we do, we're the happiest. Let's keep going. Number three, the heart of a disciple. Turn there with me to Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 23. How many know I love you this morning? How many know I think Jesus looks best on you? Amen. You don't look so good without Jesus. You look better with Jesus. Amen. So don't take off Christ out of your life. Don't let him go out of your life. Keep Christ near to you. He loves you the way you are. That's right. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. If you found your child playing in the mud, did you love them when they were in the mud? Yes, but do you let them stay in the mud? You don't let them stay in the mud, do you? God loves us, all our attitudes and all of that. He puts up and tolerates. He gives us mercy. He gives us rain. He gives us air to breathe. But why does he do it? He says, because I'm giving you a chance to be like me. It's all about coming back into relationship with God, being his children. Discipleship is the process in which we're doing that. We're saying, God, I want you. And for the rest of my life, let your kingdom come and will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. I am yours. Make me the best dad, mother, father, businessman, et cetera. Here we have the parable of the sower sowing uh, seed in four different types of ground. We'll go right to the fulfillment uh, of the parable because he explains it in verse 18. If you're in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 13, can you say I'm there? Thank you. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. Parable of the sower is the parable of a man planting seeds, a parable of a farmer. He had said a farmer goes out, he throws seed. Some of this seed falls on the concrete the rocky places the moment it falls there birds come eat it up man keeps going sowing seed planting seed he throws some and it goes into the cracks in the concrete like how we see here and the weeds grow up anybody ever had that happen in their house and got to pick those weeds out the cracks those things take forever you got to like get those those things those metal things plop them out but he said they don't have a lot of root and when the sun comes out they dry up and wither they die The third, he keeps planting, he keeps planting. The third falls around good ground, but the good ground begins to have weeds. And these weeds come along with the plant as it's growing, and eventually the weeds choke out that plant until there's nothing left. Has anybody ever seen that? Maybe in your house, Nancy and I already had to de-weed some of our plants. If we wouldn't have taken the weeds away from the plants, the weeds would have taken over the whole garden. Already seen it happen. And then lastly, he's sowing seed. It falls on good ground, and the ground remains pure, and it continues to grow 30, 60, 100-fold. Now look at this right here, verse 18. He explains it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it. Everybody say, understand it thank you the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart this is the seed sown among the path so how many people have you and i preached to but we don't see any change is it the seeds fault that they don't change in other words is it the word of god's problem is it the fault of the bible that they don't grow no is it the fault of the planter that they don't grow What is the fault? It is the ground, is it not? And the ground is representative of the heart. So if you have ever seen somebody hear the gospel message, instantly reject it, and blow it off, go on their way, it's because they have a hard heart. If you've ever done that, it's because you have a hard heart. There's no other way around it. It's not God's fault. It's not the Bible's fault. It's your heart's fault. You have to repent. Isn't that a good thing if you have a hard heart to repent? Amen. Number two, verse 20. The seed that fell on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since in verse 21 they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away. Okay? Has anybody here... Ever preach the word to somebody, you see them begin to grow. But once they have to give up friends and family, once they make sacrifices to come to church, once they realize it's going to cause mockery on their job or at school, they quit following Jesus. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever done that? I know I did when I was growing up in church. I would hear the word here. I would receive it in church. Go out there to my friends. They would make fun of me. And what would happen? Sun comes out. It dies. It withers. The Christian life can't be sustained dying. It has to be sustained living. And what needs to happen? Deeper roots need to come. You can't grow your Christian life in a couple-inch soil. You can't grow as a Christian just coming here by your convenience. You can't come here just because I make you laugh sometimes or we're a casual church. All of that stuff is shallow. It grows old. What will keep you coming to hear a good preacher, what will keep you serving God on your job is if your heart is sold out to Jesus and then instead of the sun baking and destroying your faith, the sun, osmosis. Uh, call, uh, uh, no, it's not osmosis. It's um, photosynthesis. Thank you, osmosis. i different. Photosynthesis happens and the plant grows. Think about this. It's the same sun. In one person's life, the sun represents persecution and tests. And one person's life, tests and persecution cause their destruction. In another person's life, It causes their growth. What's the difference? The heart. You think you've been lied on in church? I've been lied on more. You think people have let you down in church? I've been let down more. But you see, I keep growing. Because your pastor made a determination. This son is going to be for my health. These tests will grow me. Has it always felt good? No, it hasn't. But every time I go through tests, I get a testimony. Because down deep in my heart, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. You're going to have to make those choices for yourself. I've already forsaken my, my brothers and sisters. I Now I'm seeing my sister come around, pray for her to accept Jesus into her life. But I've already had to ask her to leave my house at family events. You're drunk. You don't belong here. Repent and find Jesus because not in my house. Hey, that's the way it is. You see, I've already had to count the cost of my friends. I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I started preaching. Some of them you see on Facebook if you're my friend. Uh, you know, one of them just commented the other day, Joe, glad to see you keep serving God. But you know what? I had to lose my friends. I remember when I first got saved, they said, Joe, it's no problem. Man, it's okay. I get it. You're going to church. I sometimes go to church. Hey, let's let's hang out one day. Well, we started hanging out. And what they do? Started doing what they normally did, get drink, party, and all that, and I didn't. And then I start talking about Jesus, like how they talk about sports and how they talk about girls. I was talking about Jesus. And they got tired of it. And you know what? The next day he said, come meet me here and let's talk some more. And my best friend, the guy I lived with, shared life with for many years, didn't show up. You want to talk about a sad day home as an 18-year-old kid? So I have no friends now. I went to the youth group. The youth group was full of hypocrites. They were doing what I was doing in the world, except they still go to church and call themselves Christians. I said, God, who's normal and who's following Christ? Who's here that wants to be normal for you? I mean, this is, should be normal. My heart's changed. This is not, this is not radical, extracurricular. It's, you changed me. I can't keep doing this and pretend I'm a Christian. I can't. Found a man that was handicapped, that lived in assisted living nursing home that I would go to a prayer meeting at his church. They had an all-night prayer meeting on Friday nights. After I would deliver pizza and my temptation would come to go out and party with my friends, instead I would go to a prayer meeting that didn't end until 6 in the morning. And this guy became my best friend, an old retired guy with physical issues. Why? Because I determined that the sun was not going to burn my faith. It was going to cause my faith to grow. You see, you can't blame your test. Well, pastor, if you know this is what I went through. Pastor, if you knew this is the kind of problems that I face. I got something to tell you. You may be right. I don't understand your problems. But I know there's a problem solver named Jesus Christ that never lets people down. That never lets people down. That he is there on time, all the time, baby. And then you see the seed, uh, the third seed, verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, everybody say worries. Deceitfulness of wealth, somebody say lies of money. Amen. Amen. Choke it and make it unfruitful. And the Bible talks about this as a seed growing up and a weed choking it out. And it gives us two descriptions here, but in another place, Luke, it also says that the loves of this world, just the love of pleasure itself. Not just money, but money and pleasure along with worries. And can I tell you something? This will be the weed, the three kinds of weeds that will try to come into your garden until you meet Jesus. I've met people who go through hard times and they worry so much they can't even come to church anymore. Because they're just so worried. They think God's forsaken them. They think there's no one else left to help them. They think coming to church is playing charades, make-believe, and they don't want to be fake anymore. And so because of all their problems, what they've gone through, all the worries of their life, they give up and walk away from God. That can happen at any time. I watched a fellow Bible college graduate start a church, pray for a child to come from his wife. His wife gives birth to a beautiful baby and then dies in the nursery ward. He left his wife later on, had an affair, and spent years living in the world. Why? Because God let him down. God let him down. A weed came into his life when he least expected it and let him down. I've heard stories about missionaries coming off the mission field, giving 20, 30 years in Africa, Latin America, and Asia, giving their life to the Lord. And then inside the nursing home, they're in retirement, get hooked on pornography. Why? Because their heart doesn't remain pure. The pleasures of this life lured them in in their old age. You think old people are not tempted anymore to sin? Hello, Somebody. It doesn't matter if you're 5 or you're 65. The devil, he is going to also come and try to plant seeds in your life. That's what the parable of the weeds teaches us here, is that there's one person sowing good seed, but where did those weeds come from? Who's sowing the bad seeds, right? Who's tempting you today? Now, you may say, well, it comes from J-Lo in that new music video she came out with, you know, with uh, Pitbull, But you know what? What's really tempting you is the demonic spirit behind it. It's not Warren Buffett that tempts you to live uh, life as greed or whatever. It's the spirit behind it. And see, something about the devil that you and I don't know is that he's really smart and knows us really good. A lot of times we think the devil, he's just some buffoon walking around with a pitchfork, and that's the way he would love to make you think he is. That he's just a buffoon. He's just some satanic you know, goat blood drinking person and, you know, that this is this is the devil. But you don't understand the devil is a tempter. He tempts you in the very thing that you're tempted in. He didn't come to Adam and Eve and say, hey, guys, do you want to be birds and fly? Hey, guys, do you want to try an orgy? Hey, guys, do you want to try to start a war in heaven? No, what does he say? Hey, you see this tree? That God told you not to eat? You've been looking at it? How did they ever get to the place to hear a serpent talk? They got to the place by being there by their own temptation. Even though they were perfect, they still had a will and a desire whether or not they would choose God. You never have lost your will. We've always had it. So he says, here's two trees. This is what sustains you and gives you life. You're the tree of life. You eat it, and all of this is yours for eternity. Here is the knowledge of good and evil. You eat this, you shall surely die. And the Bible says the serpent found Eve looking at the fruit, ready to eat it on her own before the devil ever showed up because it was desirable to her. Before the devil ever came, it was her own desire. Now, what does the devil do? He comes and he backs up those desires. So now he says, Oh, you want this? Let me tell you a lie to help you to eat this. You see, the devil doesn't tempt me with homosexuality. He tempts me with women. He doesn't tempt me with committing a mass murder. He tempts me with quitting this church and taking a bigger church. He doesn't tempt me with uh, shooting my gun off in the air like in in the Wild West and committing murder or something. He tempts me with gossiping about you. You see, each one of us is tempted in ways that the devil knows right where we're at. You've had a bad childhood. You feel abandoned in life. Hello, depression. Hello, rejection. Hello, I'll take the first thing that comes my way. See, the devil knows exactly your flavor of sin. You're intellectual, you're smart, you're reserved, you're career-minded. Oh, the devil's got a career for you. He's got a busy life for you. He's got a ladder for you to climb and a rat race to win. Keep you distracted. Keep you out of the prayer closet. Have you intellectualized everything until faith is no more than a wishing well. He knows what you want. He knows what you want. He'll make mothers consumed with their children and have them be consumed with how I can do this and do this and do this until they mother their children into mama's boys and these children never grow up to be men and women. But out of their own fear, they have to hold on to this child. Worries, pleasures, money, mark any temptation that comes into your life from this time to the time you meet Jesus, it will fall into one of those three categories. I do this because I'm worried. I do this because I'm worried. I do this because I want more money to buy more stuff. I do this because I want more money to buy more stuff. I do this because it feels good. I don't go to that church because it doesn't feel good. I don't go to that Bible study because it doesn't feel good. But I'm led by my feelings. And what happens in that weedy life chokes it out. Last one is if you're ready for the last one, say I'm ready. But the seed, everybody say but. Aren't you glad there's a big old butt right there? Come on, sometimes I like big butts and I can't deny. Hey, man, I'm glad there's a big old butt. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Story ain't over yet. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. They produce that crop yielding 130, 60, you know, fold. See, everybody look up at me, please. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't ask you, does it feel good? I didn't ask you if I made you laugh today. I'm asking you, do you understand what I'm saying? From the day I started preaching, people always walked away saying one thing. I understood what you talked about. I've had people meet me at the end of weddings when I've preached at weddings and at jail cells. I've had them say, man, I've been to a lot of churches, haven't understood it. But I understood you today. I had one of my good friends join me in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I went to preach over there. He said, I don't understand a lot about what preachers say, but I understood what you said, and you offended me a whole bunch. But I think you're right. You said, you'll never walk out of a good church going, I don't understand. Today, it's very clear, isn't it? Uh, okay, review our points. Please put our notes up there. We've only gone to three. This is the introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching. Amen, this is just what we covered in the last couple of weeks, but I said they're they're very important, and please show point number one there. What we're seeing is that we're to come and follow Jesus. He said, come follow me. This is what he wanted to do. Number two, we've got to receive that call to be a disciple. I'm going to deny myself. I get offended too by Jesus. He offends me too, guys. It bothers me some of the stuff he says. I feel like being a lazy pastor sometimes. I do. I do. I'm being honest with you. And he'll get on my nerves and get to the point where I have to choose. Is he the boss or am I the boss? Because he won't let me alone. He won't let me think I'm okay with two bosses. Anybody, come on, anybody here ever have that conversation with God? God has got a hold of me in the prayer closet, friends, where he just won't let go of my heart. He says, Who's in control of this house? Who's in control? I remember one time Nancy and I were considering walking away from this church a few years back and I was going to give the church to one of our elders and I went through this whole long process. My wife didn't agree with it. My pastor didn't agree with it. All these people didn't agree with it. But I still was being stubborn. And God sent at that time a young believer in our church, Deanna, and she started screaming out a prophetic word in the middle of service, Joe, don't go. Joe, don't go. And if anybody was there, we'll tell you that was the truth. God showed up to a young high schooler. She was in high school in a prophetic word just like you see in this church. And her word was, Joe, don't go. Why? Because God was saying, it's my way or it's the highway. But I don't want you to take the highway. See, God, he gives us the option, but the other one, it's never really what he wants. He doesn't want us to perish Don't you understand when he sows the word, he wants all of our hearts to be good. See, let somebody be encouraged today. You might say, well, Pastor, you know, I get the rebukes, but I don't know what to do about it. What you do is you change. You let God get into your life. You soften your heart. You say, I don't want to be in control anymore. I want Jesus. Amen? Come follow Jesus. Receive your calling. Have that heart of a disciple. Every one of us can, but it's our choice. Number four, keep the teachings of Jesus, and I'll go through them quickly now. Here are the things that I wanted to share with you today in our message. Keep the teachings of Jesus. Don't do something because of what a pastor says. How many know I'm not Jesus? How many know if I said right now, hey guys, sex before marriage, it's all right, it would still be a sin? Does anybody believe that? If I said to you right now, you know what? The Bible had it wrong on homosexuality. Homosexuality is not a sin. Does that change anything? If I jump off this building and say gravity doesn't exist, does that change anything? Hello? I will meet the truth of the ground very soon. You can play make-believe in church all the time. We can play dress up. I could come here dressed up in purple lavender clothes with flowing things, have you call me poppy and father, and I put num-nums in your mouth, have you drink out of a golden goblet, you know, and just... I could do everything you have a little golden staff. We could play make believe. It doesn't mean I'm a shepherd of Christ, right? We could paint this building, make it look like the 16 chapels. We could have a choir like they have, you know, in these you know, beautiful universities, these boy choirs within these private schools. We could have all that doesn't mean we're a church. When we keep the teachings of Christ, then we're truly his. Amen. Look at verse uh, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of what? All the nations. You think Jesus is pretty serious about this? Is there anything else he told me to go and make? If you've studied your Bible, give me an honest answer. Because I can't tell you of one. I've been studying it for 18 years. There's only one thing he told me to go and make. It wasn't pizza. It wasn't, you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. He said, go and make disciples. That now means the three years that he was with his disciples, it worked. Because he said, come follow me, and I am going to make you a fisher of men. He said, now it's time for you to teach everyone what I taught you. Now let me ask you this question. They didn't have it written down at this time. These gospels didn't get written down until 30 years later. Could you right now tell somebody else all that Jesus taught you? Or would you just be like, oh, don't steal, don't lie, don't kill people. I think that's about all he taught us. See, if you're really a disciple, you can go to somebody and go, hey, man, this is what Jesus wants. He wants you to pray. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. You may not have all 100. I think there's about 100 commands of Jesus Christ. There's over 300 when you count them out individually. But when you summarize them into categories, there's about 100 commands of Jesus Christ. It's okay if you can't remember all hundred. But I guarantee you, if you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you understand what it is to help somebody else live for them. You forgive as he's forgiven you. You love others as you want them to love you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kings of of heaven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be sown mercy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you guys tracking with me? You see, you understand the Bible. You look at go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Never let money capture your heart. You can't serve two masters. You either hate one or love the, love the other and love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. Parents, raise your children in the fear and admonition of the, of the Lord. You, you cause your children to fall and stumble when it comes to salvation. It would be better if you hanged a millstone around your neck and drowned yourself in the sea, i.e., put a shotgun to your mouth and blew your head off. Jesus said that. Sinners, those who enjoy the sins... Repent or you shall perish. It's not hard, is it? You guys know the starting lineup for your favorite team, don't you? You know your company policies, don't you? I mean, if you're a good person, I'm not talking to lazy people here, am I? I'm talking to people that work good jobs, right? I'm talking to people that have to be experienced on the job, right? This is our experience for Jesus Christ. Teach them to obey some things I have commanded you. Is that what he says, Nancy? How about just the easy things? Did Jesus command that marriage was between a man and a woman? Or did he say it was between two loving people of the same gender? See, today's preaching will make you think, won't it? Help you understand. Makes me want to preach another half hour. You see, God spoke to us about marriage. He said, Adam, God created Adam to leave and be with Eve so that the two might become one. What God has joined together, let no man tear asunder." So how do I have an answer today for homosexuality? I have it from Jesus Christ. I teach that. They may want to vote on it. It may become law. I'm not going to sit and hold a protest about it. I'm just going to simply warn them about it, that if you do this, you have a depraved mind, and God will judge you. Romans chapter 1. He will hand you over through your sexual temptation. He will hand you over to damnation and idolatry. You will turn your back on God through this thinking, in other words. He says, teach everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, a lot of times we say Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us and all of that. Who is he promising that to? Is he promising that to the rapper who just mocked Jesus on his album and then at the end says, I really do love Jesus, but I know I've been blasphemous on these covers, Kanye West? Is that man entitled to the to the bonding and the forever love of Jesus Christ here? Is that who he promises it to? No, as a matter of fact, he says to those, I do forsake you. I hand you to sin. There'll come a day where I'll say, I never knew you, and you will perish in a lake of fire. But the ones that he says, surely I'm forever with you, are his disciples. So what do you want to be? I I bid Kanye West. I bid Kim Kardashian. I bid the world. Come and follow Jesus, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come to Jesus Christ now and follow all that he taught. You know, and I feel sorry for people who've come from legalistic churches that teach things Jesus didn't teach, and then they confuse the issue. Well, you know, I was taught that women can't wear pants and I was taught women can't wear makeup and I was taught that men couldn't have long hair and I was taught this and that. And so they take the whole Bible then as irrelevant because someone erroneously taught things in the name of Christ. It's a deception of Satan. If, if he can't get you to turn away from the Bible, he'll want the Bible to disgust you. And so I'm sorry, my friends, for legalism. We, we do our best here. Every command has a verse line in Scripture. So what I'm saying to you, young men, isn't don't have a tattoo, don't pierce your ears, women, stop wearing makeup, you know, stop watching football on TV, devil vision. No, what we're teaching you is in the red letter, letters of the Bible. Things that, things that Paul said are clear and obvious to anyone who reads it. Homosexuality is not a gray area. Homosexuality is a perversion. It is a diversion from the original version. He said marriage was made for man and woman to procreate. Anything other than that is a diversion. He said that these commands were to give us life, prosperity, a hope, and a future. That these things were to be good for us. Prayer is good for us. Reading the Bible is good for us. I'm going to say some of these things in closing real quickly here. But if reading your Bible is a chore, you have lost the heart of Christ. If, if being a disciple in these next things, for example, you know, reading and studying your Bible, praying and worshiping God, being committed to the church and staying accountable and being a witness for Christ, these are all like your duties. These are those things that come from this right heart. If these duties become a burden to you, I say to you, repent and be born again, again. Be cleansed of your sin. Sin gives you a distaste for the bible sin gives a distaste for prayer when someone says i have no time to pray i'm too busy my friends you're too busy not to pray who's running your life you haven't denied yourself some people say jesus is my co-pilot jesus can't be your co-pilot jesus is the pilot jesus is the pilot amen it's not Jesus is my, cap, my co-captain. Jesus is the captain. He's either Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. How many shepherds do you have? Is it Jesus, you, President Obama, your favorite movie star? Why do I read the Bible? And I'm just going to say these in closing. Why do I read the Bible? It's because when I read the Bible, I hear the heart of God speak to me. I live in a world where my spiritual antenna is continually giving me mixed signals. I have my own thoughts that can seem good at times, but yet they're deceiving. I can have the devil luring me into a trap. I can have the voice of others. I need to hear the voice of God. What is God's will for me today? How ought I to live my life? When was I convicted of bitterness? From the word of God. When was I convicted of unforgiveness? By the word of God. When was I convicted of a perverted heart? By the word of God. When was I convicted of spiritual apathy and laziness? By the word of God. When am I convicted of being a self-centered pastor? By the word of God. When am I convicted of being an unloving husband? By the word of God. We took the Bible out of schools and replaced them with metal detectors. How's that going? U.S. citizens, how well have we done in America now that we've taken the Bible out of our culture? It's still sworn upon by our presidents, but of course it's not lived. We still have a chaplain that opens up prayer uh, prayer before our Congress and Senate. But how well are we doing with the Bible on the back burner of our culture now? Are we better off than we were in 1950? Just take 50 years, my friends. In 1950, America was the most church-going it ever was. Almost 80% of people went to church once a week. Now, we're down to 20% of people going to church once a week. So how have we done since the 50s? Do you think, are you proud of your culture, Chicago? I've only lived here eight years, right? Many of you have grown up here. Are you proud of what Chicago has become? I'm not proud of what Chicago has become. I've lived in New Orleans. I've seen some of the worst of what happens in men's hearts when they forsake God. We have nothing to be proud of in that sense. We need to repent and go back to the Word of God. Why do we pray and worship? Because that place of prayer and worship is our communication to Him and Him back to us. Prayer is the only way to communicate with God. Have you prayed enough that you no longer need to pray? Have you known all the will of God so you no longer need to ask Him? Have you now been perfected in all that which is salvation so that you no longer need to grow? Then why would you forsake prayer? Why would any disciple ever forsake prayer? How long would my marriage last if I forsook conversation with my wife? How long could I be in a relationship with her if I forsook conversation with her? How long could my children, think of this parents, how long could my children bear my heart if they no longer communicated with me? How much do you spend communicating with God, reading your Bible, just compared to your Internet usage, just compared to your television usage? They say right now the average American spends between 20 to 30 hours a week between television and Internet. Where is your passion for God? You come here and expect us to fix you? Discipleship is a lifelong process, my friend. And let God be a liar and uh, let God be true and you a liar before God becomes a liar. How dare you impugn His name by your weak-hearted, lukewarm Christianity and say, God failed me. No, you're a backslidden, lukewarm American Christian who lost the sense of discipleship. You failed yourself, my friend. God has not failed you. I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you leave. I've seen these chairs filled and emptied and filled and emptied. But I'll tell you what I've never seen change with people coming and going is the character of my God. He is a good God all the time. He's good. Whether you believe it, your family believes it or not, my house will serve the Lord. You have to make that decision up. I was a part of two churches when I first came to Christ. Both of the men committed affairs and left their wife. And I said, "Sirs, you can go to hell if you want to with sexual perversion. But I'm following Jesus Christ to heaven. You're not worth my soul. It doesn't matter what I would become in your life. You're not here for Joe. You're not here for a band. God brought you here to be his disciple. And God forbid, if we ever place anything else in front of you, if I ever place any other agenda before you, I've had people tell me, pastor, we need some, uh, you know, uh, you know, the p- people, you know, the church has needed finances. And people have said, well, why don't you ask them to sell their used gold or have bake sales? God forbid, that's not us, friends. Every book that we have, Bible, if you can't afford it, you can have it for free. Every conference that we do, we do for free. Every young uh, event we do for our children, Wednesdays and Fridays for free. We pick up people from church for free. We do whatever we can. Why? We're giving our life away as disciples because we want to see souls saved. If that's not your agenda, I can't get on your agenda. If you don't like Boricua Fest, we have had people, Brother Ish is a witness. We've had people stop showing up. Ishmael called them, said, where are you? They said, you guys got on my nerves. Ishmael said, what possibly could we have done? You kept talking about Boricua Fest and Puerto Rican Fest over and over. I'm not called to go out and preach. I have right now on my Facebook an account called FormSpring. You can see people ask me anonymous questions. I had a person ask me a question. If I go to your church and I don't go out and preach the gospel, will you think I'm okay or will I be corrected? I said, Sister, you will be corrected. We will not accept your half-hearted, lukewarm Christianity. A Jehovah Witness will not outdo the Metro Praise disciples. Not here. Not while I'm a pastor. They ain't outdoing us, baby. And then literally wrote back on the form spring, I think that's only what Jehovah Witnesses do. She said it herself. May God have mercy on a backslidden church. We're not perfect, but we're going after the perfection of Christ. I should say we are perfect in Him, but we don't always act like it. When we don't act like it, we don't make excuses. We live for Him. Amen? We read our Bibles. We pray. We get committed to a church. Man, would you come? What what is the church? What is this place? This is the place where we get encouraged to do what we've already committed to do. When you're a disciple of Christ, these messages encourage you. You know why? Because everybody out there is telling you not to. So when you come here, you're encouraged to do what you know is right. But if It's not right to you if you haven't made up your mind. I'm not here to convince you. Well, pastor, I don't really want to be a disciple. Can we talk about something else? No, we're not talking about something else. How many of you have come to this church? Can you put up the vision, please? How many of you have come to this church and heard this vision? To love God and love people, and we're going to commit, mentor sin. How many of you, since the day you've been coming to this church, that's what you've been hearing? How many of you have left the church for a time period and you came back and the vision is still being spoken? <laughs> that this is how we started this church. I wasn't the best, pa- I'm still not maybe the best around, but the first church I pastored, I was all over the place. I remember one time I was so frustrated with the people, I didn't know what to do anymore. I said, What do y'all want to do? I just don't even know what to do with you. One, one of the women shouted out, she, let, she said, Let's go to Biloxi, Pastor. And I said, what do you want to do in Biloxi? Because there's gambling there. And she said, I want to praise the Lord in Biloxi. I said, no, you don't. You're lying. You want, I, I, I promise you with everything in me, there are churches that take their members to casinos. It's not even to make you shock and awe. I'm telling you. She said, well, pastor, if you really want to know what I want to do, take me to Biloxi. What is the purpose? Thank you, sir, for putting it up. Will you put back the notes, please? The purpose of a good church is to be like your family. See, some of us have had to forsake our family, so this is all we have. But I want everyone to understand this first and foremost. It's always been God's intention for your family to be your first church. And so for many of the young adults here, you've connected to us and you've loved us and that's so awesome. But I'm telling you what, as you get older, you're going to see it happen and we want you to do this, to be the priests of your home, to be the leaders of your home. And sometimes people call me like a father and all that. I appreciate that, but that is not me. I'm just a man like you. God is our only father. I can be like a spiritual father, like that, but I am not that. I'm just a man like you. And so when... uh, Juan and Diana, they get older, they're going to have kids. Your home is your church. That's your first place. Teaching your children. Let them see you pray. Let them see you as their hero. Let them come back home on Sundays and say, Daddy, he don't preach as good as you do. Let every father, hallelujah, let every father be the heroes of their children. Let every father be the heroes let the fathers raise their children let every mother be the hero let every family be our first church and then let us come here with our families and it doesn't matter what family you bring you're a teenager, you're coming by yourself that's your family now, just yourself you're starting by yourself I've seen teenagers have their parents reject God they come to church, grow up older accept the Lord, get married have children, and it all worked out why? because they understood, I'm starting now and we come here what for, for the joy of worship, the excitement of hearing each other's testimonies, the encouragement. If you've ever had a bad day here, I don't mean this offensively, but I think it was your fault. Because every day I've come here, I've had a good time. I've had and then Pastor Adam, is God is my witness, I tried to get him to preach more because I loved him. He said, "Pastor, I'm working so much and I gotta preach these." I've tried to give these guys so many more opportunities to preach. They'll tell you they're always telling me, "Man, I just I can't do it now because I'm still working." So to me, it's not even if I preach; it's just there's preaching here, and I love good churches everywhere. So don't ever think we believe we're the only ones. Amen. Be a public wit, uh, be accountable. When you look at James 5.16, it says they all confess their sins one to another. See, this is where the priests misunderstood this idea. They said, well, now you just confess it to us. No, this, this idea of communal confession is a personal thing. Not that we blab it from the loudspeakers or put on the announcements. Sister so-and-so confessed this last week. No, uh, you know, weekly confessions, you know, like it's Inquirer magazine. Oh, well, no, you did that last week. No, co- communal confession is just our way of getting together today. And it happens so naturally when you love each other and you love Jesus. You'll just be like, man, pray for me. I had something go wrong this week. I got angry at my wife. It happens so naturally. And all it is is you just sharing life together. Remember, Jesus didn't call one disciple. He didn't say, Peter, let you and I get alone and have a spiritual fantasy together. You know, I'm just going to be your, your Jesus, just me and you, Peter. No, he, he called 12 others, Right so jesus wasn't like taking all of his time with one individual person in the sense of saying that's the way the church is going to be just me with one he said the church is going to be the body of you together and of course he makes time for us individually but he expected us to learn some things from each other how many of you have ever known that you had a conversation with the boogie in your nose most of the time, you don't know that until you, A, look in the mirror, or till somebody who really loves you tells you. They go, I've had people do it while I'm preaching, you know what I'm saying? I've come with my barn door down before, and I've had brothers, you know, like, and I've had you know, I've had to look, you know what? Because my brother is my keeper. I am my brother's keeper. We are here to help each other. We are here to... Encourage each other. Think about it like this. Do you know that I look at you more than you look at you? Think about that. How much time, and unless some of you are very vain in the mirror all day long. If, if, if I just got a glance at some of you, five minutes, ten minutes, I've looked at probably more of you today than you have or will look at yourself today. And if you have a good friend and you're sitting down with your wife or your best friend and you guys are sitting down talking, I see my wife more than she ever sees herself. I get to look at her whole person. I get to hear her words. So I get to keep her accountable and help her, not judge her, but help her. Amen? Be a public witness for Christ. If we love what God has done in us, we're going to want to share it with others. Show me one place in the Bible where Jesus said, if you don't feel like sharing your faith, you don't have to. Show me one place in the Bible where he said, you share your faith and you don't share your faith. There is no place like that. He said, all of you, go into the world and share your faith. Operating the gifts of the Spirit. How many enjoyed that sermon series? Excuse me, amen. We are spiritual people, so we should remember that we have power over the enemy, and these are gifts that we have from God. We should pursue leadership. Just put up 1 Corinthians 3, 1, please, in closing. Thank you for your patience today just want to show you this in closing. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever desires the office of an overseer desires a noble task. All of you can have the desire to be a leader here if you want to. Okay, so we have about 100 people here right now. How many think there's more than that that need to be reached out there? Okay, so who's going to do that? You're going to do that. We're going to point to who's going to do that. We're going to do that, right? So what do we do? We help you to do that. We help you. Man, if my 66-year-old dad and 70-year-old mom, come on, can do it. You can do it. Just pursue leadership. How help out. What can I do? Well, we need some help in the nursery. We need some help driving the van. We need some help setting up and tearing down. We need some more life group leaders. We need some more people going out during the week, reaching people. Do you know that we had almost one of our largest turnouts this last Wednesday for King's Kids? You know why? You know why we had more kids this time than all summer long? One simple reason. They went out earlier to the west side to get more kids to come. How many more kids do you think we could get from the west side? They get bused in every Wednesday. How many more do you think we could get if we had twice as many workers knock on doors and say, hey, can we bring your kids to church today? Can we bring your kids to church? They had almost 40 kids. 40. Come on, somebody. West side, touching the city for Jesus. See, if you want to do something great for God, that desire will be fulfilled. We don't squash that here. We don't say there's a one-man show. We say, let's all do it. And then lastly, never give up. Would you stand to your feet today? Would you bless the Lord? Amen. Come on. Amen. And put up this scripture, please, sir. I know I've preached about as much you all can hear today. But how many know? I don't want... I don't want you to think I don't love you But I just want to say this Because I just felt this in my heart You know, as I thought about this You came at 10, it's 12 o'clock How many know I've gone nine minutes over But it's still not even as long As Transformers the movie How many know It's still not even as long As if you went to Wrigley Field today To watch a game Right? We give this to God though, don't we? no one takes it from us we give it willingly would you put up Galatians 6-9 please as we move from the series but not the heart because our heart is here I want you to see this scripture and be encouraged before we read it has anybody anybody here ever honestly just felt like giving up either on church or commitment to the Lord or something with God has anybody ever felt that (coughs) excuse me Okay, the rest of you are either lying or you have not served God more than a day Okay No, I've never felt like giving up Then you haven't run the Christian marathon yet You're still at the starting block, okay It's like I tell people all the time I don't get tired when I jog, you know And they go, oh, why? Because I don't jog I, I get in the car That's why I don't get tired when I jog Because I don't jog, you know I can't. I can't, you know God didn't make big guys like this to jog, you know I kind of waddle Now I know, you know. No, but if you're like, man, I'm not tired. Let's just be honest. How many have ever got tired, almost close to burnout, frustrated, but wanted to quit? Something with your faith got tested. Raise your hand. Come on, church. Let's be honest. Amen. Guess what? Being tired is an evidence of doing something right. If you're tired, chances are you've worked a long day. You've done something right. Okay, I'm not talking about missing sleep. Just in general. If I did jog, I would get tired, right? Because that's an evidence of me doing something right. If you were in a wrestling match, you would get tired. And uh, let me just say this. The Bible compares what we do to wrestling. And if anybody here has ever wrestled, you know, wrestling is the hardest form of fighting or any type of engagement you can do. You wrestle for two or three minutes. It's like you've ran, like, you know, five, ten miles, they say, because you are straining every muscle, and your adrenaline is pumping so fast, and you're trying to push the person down. You couldn't think of anything else more strenuous. Let's put it that way. And the Bible says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heaven. So you're wrestling. So at times, (sighs) you're going to feel that way in the spirit. When the Bible considers the Christian race, it doesn't call it a sprint. It calls it a marathon. I don't even know if anybody here has ever even run 22 miles. But if you have, you know that that ain't no joke. You are tired after a marathon. How many think you'd be tired after a marathon? Okay, we would be tired. Even marathon runners are tired. So watch this scripture. Let us not become weary in doing good. So we actually are commanded to fight against the temptation of weariness and receive rest. So though being tired and weary is a sign that we've done something probably good. You've been fighting temptation, you feel it. You've been fighting against your, you know, your anger, you feel it. You put God in the center of your marriage, you're going to have a lot of long talks until you guys get it worked out happens you know we do marriage counseling they think like we just said it all disappeared no for the next two or three weeks it's going to be tough but you're going to work it out what do we do when we feel tired we give it to God because he said all those who are weary and heavy laden those who are burdened you're feeling tired you're doing that come to me and I will give you rest Christ not only wants to give you rest from bad things he wants to give you rest from good things so how many know being a mom is hard sometimes? Come on. I see it with my wife. I, she is my hero every single day. She makes their breakfast even on Sunday. They eat it. When they get here, she prepares it Saturday night. And you know what I do? I'm just sitting here watching TV. And like and like while while we're laying in bed one time, you know, like our air conditioning is downstairs, and we're laying in bed, and it's like, Oh, we need to have the windows open. So I said, "I'll open up the windows. You go shut off the air conditioning." Dude, I'm so bad. I am so bad. And she'll go do it. And oh my gosh, you want to talk about conviction? Conviction, you know? And then my wife, you know, she'll talk. You know, she'll be with the kids 12 hours, all three of them. God bless her. And then the first thing we do when we get into the to bed for the night, I'm like, "Can you just scratch my back and just love on me right now?" And literally, like, we'll do it, like, for a movie, like, an hour and a half, two hours. And then she'll be like, can you massage my back, please? Can you just massage me? And I'll just, like, stand up and just, like, you're good. You are so good right now. You are so good. (laughs) But I look at where she gets her strength from, from God. Because I know I can't give it to her. You can't look to somebody else to give you your strength. Mothers, you can't look to your kids to give you your strength. Fathers, you can't even look to your wife. They can be your backbone. They can get your back. But fathers, you know what I'm talking about. When you're under that stress, when you've been working, you got to come up with all the answers for the house and the budget. There is only one place, gentlemen, we can find that rest. is When we come to our prayer closet and say, Lord, give me rest. Here it says, don't grow weary in doing good. But at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Is anybody ready to serve Jesus and not give up? Amen. Altar workers, would you come? Come on, bless them one more time. Lord, we're not giving up today. We're serving you, Jesus. We're serving you, God. Just tell them right now in your own words, I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to live for you. 30 seconds before we close out today, I won't keep you much longer. Just let him know these words are from your heart, not mine anymore, his just 15 more seconds
0: oh, Everything I need is in you.
5: Hallelujah, everything we need is in you God. as we prepare to dismiss Lord, we're going to open up these altars for those that need prayer for anything to rededicate their life confess their sins to you to receive strength whatever it is Lord they're going to come and Lord our prayer is not only for those that come but for all of us we'll never give up we may feel like it we may get tired we may suffer persecution we may not always understand what you're doing but God, we won't give up. You're worth it. You had me, outcome. come. Come on, before we close out today, just think about that. Do you remember that day you got saved when he called you? Do you still love him like that? Do you want to follow him? Do you want your children to grow up and follow him? I know we all got dreams for what our children are going to be, but don't you have the greatest dream for them, just for them to love God, to be happy, to not be destroyed by the world? Oh, Jesus. Peter gave up, but you brought him back. So, Lord, even if some here have given up, bring them back. I've been baptized three times, once as a young boy, eight years old, once as a 16-year-old teenager, my last time when I was 18. I wasn't the fastest learner, but God, I think I got it now. I think I understand what you're trying to do in my heart. I pray others get it today. I pray as we get ready to baptize in two weeks that those who are here wanting to make that commitment, that they will. Some who need to make that rededication, they will. And we'll come back next week ready as disciples to learn our purpose. To be the best dads and moms and workers and countrymen and servant leaders. Everything we do, let it be for you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Can we just bless him one more time? I just feel his presence. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. Thank you for going overtime with me shake somebody's hand tell them you're a disciple come on we're going to pray now if you want to come up for prayer to accept Christ